Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry so you can do church better. I'm your co-host, Chris Wesley, joined by the charming, the good-looking John Ronaldo. John, how's it going? I'm good. You, I'm. Thank you for saying that I'm good-looking. Sometimes I have confidence issues and wonder, you know, do I look good? But you know what? You saying it now makes me feel like I'm good. I'm good. Well, so thank you. you. Thanks for the compliment. I'm a secure guy. I can I can admit, uh, you know, uh, when other guys look good and, and are, are doing good. And, you know, I, I'm all about affirmations, you know, today. And uh, um, I want to affirm what you're doing in ministry and, uh, um, you know, what other people are doing. Uh, there's just a lot of negativity that goes around. So, yeah, there you go. You're well, welcome. I, I appreciate that. Now, I mean, you know, let's be honest. Uh this it's the morning right now that we're recording and I have not showered this morning and my hair is not done, you know, so uh, and, and you still say I look good. So, hey, you know, I guess I'm doing something right. <laughs> well, I also can't smell you because we're doing this <laughs> and you're wearing headphones. And so, you know. So you can't you can't really see what my hair looks like. Can't anyway. really see what your hair looks like. All right. So anyway, um, enough about fashion. Sometimes we get so self-absorbed in ourselves. Uh, and sometimes that's something we accuse younger generations of doing. But, you know, we don't want to accuse younger generations of being something that they're not. Uh, and in fact, that brings us to today's subject, which we're not going to waste too much time with banter because we got to jump into it. it it's huge. And uh, John, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm really excited to discuss. Oh, I'm going to butcher the name, but I'm going to try it. Christus. Uh, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> Christus Vivit, right? Is that is that like that sounds good to me. Sorry. All right. All right. <laughs> so Christus yes, Vivit. Christ is alive. It is Pope Francis's post synodal exhortation to young people and to the entire people of God. We're already butchering words. Yeah, here, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this came out to to much uh, uh, much acclaim, much interest because, of course, we and we've done episodes on the church podcast recently. Uh, on um, the the synod process that happened in 2018 uh, with young people, uh, and we we had some folks uh, who were part of the delegation that joined us mm -hmm. for uh, a podcast a, a handful of months ago, and so and this is really kind of the um, the the fruit of that is is this document that Pope Francis released. Technically, released it on I don't know the. March 25th uh, right. and then but wasn't really fully released to everybody until really last week basically uh, right. you know this first week of first full week of April and so everyone's kind of clamoring to read it and um, and so I, I had texted you Chris I was like let's let's do an episode on this and and kind of just do a, a summary and overview and get some thoughts and feedbacks and and I was plowing through trying to read this uh, you know because it's 57 pages uh, of tax. Um, but I have to say, I, my overall reactions first, you know, is uh, I was really impressed. I think for me, it started slow. I was like, okay, where is he going to go with this? Right. Cause I'm so practical in nature and I'm like, okay, what is he saying about ministry? Right. You know? Um, and so I'm always looking for the practical implication, but I think the document sets a really good stage of kind of young people and, and how older people should, should be in relationship with younger people. And then later in the text, and we'll get into this, really talks about some of those practical implications. And I have to say that I think, I think Pope Francis is challenging us, rightly so, 
how we do youth ministry, how we do ministry, how we do ministry in an educational setting, how we think about vocations. And we're going to talk about all that. But um, really, first and foremost, I would say, if you have not gotten your hands on this, definitely take a chance. Uh, go, go get it and read it. Uh, it. It will be worth your time to spend a few hours uh, kind of delving through it. So many great one-liners, so many great thoughts, and, and that's what we're going to get into today. Awesome. Uh, yeah, you, you said you said it very, very well. Um, you know, in fact, um, I'll, I'll be honest, at the time of recording this, I haven't fully gotten through it, but um, I, I've just been going through it and clipping just different paragraphs and, and uh, quotes into my Evernote. Uh, and you'll probably see some of those pop up on social media. And in fact, if you're a subscriber to the Marathon Youth Ministry community and the newsletter, uh, I'm going to give you a couple more of my thoughts, especially... Um, and we'll talk about this in the Synod document. There's a lot on youth ministry towards the end. Um, and it's it's kind of interesting. And we're going to break that down here. Um, you know, I'm sure uh, there's going to be other areas we're going to break that down. In our show notes, we'll have a link to uh, our conversation with uh, Paul Jarzembowski and Kitty uh, 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 McGrady on uh, their involvement with the Synod. Um, and yet, yeah, uh, John and I have talked about this uh, a number of times. And it's important. It's, it's not just important. John, because we have a background in youth ministry. I, I think it's important because this is what the church is focusing on. And I think if you look at the last year, there have been a lot of things that have happened that need our attention, but again, um, could be seen as a distraction to this. But in a way, they're, they're kind of a part of it as well. And, and you know, I'm, of course, re- referring to all the abuse scandals that have happened, some people could be like, well, that's more important. Or some people might say this is a distraction to the synod, but they're connected. And in fact, there are a couple of times in the document where Pope Francis kind of mentions that, um, not mentioning the specific cases, you know, right there, but the fact that a lot of the reasons why we need the young church is so that we can avoid scandal and um, and corruption and some of the things that seem to leak in from time to time into the institutional church. Uh, so, uh, yeah, um, just to kind of start out, um, I know, John, you shared your initial thoughts. The th- things that really stuck out to me, and I usually do not like the beginning of some of these documents, right? Because it's a lot of like scriptural reference and, you know, this is what I was thinking when I was writing this and everything. Um, and I know that sounds really bad, but I, you and I were talking about how powerful it was when he mentions biblical characters uh, in scripture. Uh, characters, uh, people in scripture who were young that God used to do amazing things. And I think the two that stuck out the most to me, and this might seem, uh, you know, cliche or whatnot, is Jesus and how you pointed out, Jesus started his ministry at 30 years old, which is a young adult, you know, um, in this country and and internationally. And and then secondly, uh, Mary, you know, uh, being like the ultimate young adult role model he mentions in you know uh, embracing uh god's plan for her and, and and the thing too is it's not like hey uh the thing that he, he he writes that i really liked is it's not like mary said like sure god i'll do what you say and we'll see how this works out he's saying no no mary knew full well what the commitment was and still said yes and took that risk and i think that's what uh really stuck out to me early on in the document um especially those stories of people in scripture 
Yeah, I think I really appreciate this first chapter specifically talking about where in scripture young people are called because quite honestly, I forget. I forget that, you know, you know, having read the Bible, I forget that oftentimes God uses young people to make the change that's required in the community. And really in that chapter one, he's outlining, you know, five or six main characters in the Old Testament who are really young at being called, like, for instance, Joseph and, and Samuel and, and King David, right? They were all called when they were young, right? King, remember, King David was probably only a teenager when, when he slain, you know, uh, Goliath. And, and I think we forget that. I forget that. And, and I do forget that, you know, I'm almost 40 years old, and, and I still think of Jesus as an older brother to me, right? You know, and when I kind of envision him, and I forget, well, man, like, he did all this, and he was younger than I am right now, you know, and, and, and I think I just forget this, right? Because when you see somebody, when you think of the saints and you think of these characters, for some reason, we automatically think of them as, as older individuals. And, and the reality is, uh, no, they're not. They're, they're young. And through the document, he goes and names just a ton of saints as well who were called at young ages and who transformed him. St. Tedesco de Sue, the, the little flower, right, you know, uh, and her story is really powerful. And so I think that's a really huge affirmation in terms of what he's trying to say in this document. And, and he's very clear at the beginning that this is a document for everybody. It's not just for young people. It's not just for older people. But you can kind of see as you read it how he kind of talks to the young people in certain sections and talks to the older people in other sections. And so so again, you know, know that this is a document for everybody and also know that this is not just a youth ministry document. I mean, this has a lot to say about how we do church in general. And I think we all need to hear this message, but it is powerful. And, and really he does. The first section, all he's doing is affirming the role of youth and talking about how youth is not an age as much as it is a, a state of being and a state of being that we should capture and hold on to uh, because of the exuberance, because of the dreaming, because of the vitality that young people have and, and that that gets kicked out of us when we get older. And I can admit to that as, as someone who's going to be turning 40 this year, that I, I, I think I still have a lot of energy, but I find that you know, I let uh, history or tradition or my own experience kind of like poo-poo my, my energy and excitement. And so, and he's really challenging us, even, even at, towards the beginning of saying like, don't lose your vitality as a young person and think about all these biblical characters and all these saints who were called at young ages and played a really a super important role in the changing of the church. And, and I love what he says. This is in chapter one. This is paragraph 20. And I just want to say this, this one big line. It's like, young man, I say to you, arise. And that's from Luke chapter seven, verse 14. The idea that God is calling us to be alive, right? And that's, that's in the first paragraph too. Christ is alive and he wants you to be alive. And I think there's a message there for us you know, people who are starting to gray and, and start to get frowns on our face about how we do church. It's like, no, God's still calling us to be alive. And, and, and that's obviously, obviously the huge thrust of this document. You know, John, you're making me feel old and I'm only a year younger than you. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> like, uh, yes, we've got a little bit more pepper in our uh, hair and everything and, and, and in my case, beard. But yeah, no, I, 
I, I definitely liked how he clarified that being young is not just physically young, but also young at heart, um, that we have to listen to young people, but we also need to mentor and apprentice them. Um, but the part that definitely sticks out to, to us, and, and one of the things we were talking about before we hit record here was chapter seven, um, all about youth ministry. Um, and to me, it's an interesting sort of thing because I, outside of renewing the vision, you know, I can't think of too many documents on youth ministry that have come out from, you know, church leadership. Um, and so going into it, part of me was like, is he really going to just miss the boat, you know? And, uh, yeah, and I'll, have to confess even the pope i was like is he you know just too disconnected or is this some of the stuff that i've been thinking and feeling uh is this something that i'm gonna look at and just be like all right maybe internationally but not in the united states um and just from what i've been looking at and what we've been discussing john um there's a lot he nails there's a lot he nails there's a lot where i'm like nodding my head like yes i agree and then there's some stuff where I'm like, huh, ooh, I got to look at my own ministry. And, you know, uh, there's a little bit of a tough pill to swallow. And, uh, and then, you know, a lot of, of course, inspiration. Um, and, and I think practical application, practical application. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, what were your initial thoughts as you jumped into the youth ministry section in Chapter 7? Hey, Leah, last night I was sitting on my couch reading and my wife was next to me and I'm, I'm reading and I'm highlighting, underlining and, and, and just, I have a ton of marks in this particular section. Again, this is chapter seven, which starts on page 33. Uh, and I turned to my wife and I said, Pope Francis is rewriting how we do ministry. And then I turned back and I kept reading. That, that was it. It was just a one liner. But that's what I was thinking. Uh, as, as I was reading this, and, and again, he's very intentional. He's not writing a manual on youth ministry, and he says right. that. Like, this is not a manual on youth ministry, but, but there are certain things that he wants to make sure we get across on how we, we interact with young people. And now, remember the wider definition, worldwide definition of youth. In the United States, we really tend to limit it to adolescence, right? You know, right. 12 to 18, 19, whatever like that know the worldwide definition of, of youth often goes into what we in the United States call young adults, right? And so he really is talking about the wider gamut of youth and young people from, from you know, adolescence all the way to young adulthood. And, and, and the document really talks a little bit about that. But one of the things we do as part of Parish Success Group, Chris, is, is when we do a workshop and talk about what we should be doing as church, we like to start with the church documents. And, and say, hey, it's not about what Chris Wesley wants to do. It's not about what John Ronaldo wants to do. It's not about what my pastor wants to do. It has to be about what the church has been calling us to do from, mm. from Vatican II and beyond. And so part of our workshop is, is going through a lot of those different documents, from older documents to newer documents, from bishops, from Vatican, from Pope, from wherever. I was reading this. Christ is alive. And I'm sitting there going, I need to now redo that whole section of that, that workshop, that training day that we do, because there are so many pieces here that that's really challenging us. And, and I would say that some of us have been talking about these things for a while, but I would say that this is the first time that I've seen it written down in an official 
bishops or papal document. I've seen it written down in books like Sherry Waddell's Forming Intentional Disciples and, and, and all these great other books that we've talked about before. But I think this is a game changer because this is coming from the Pope. Uh, and, and I think it's really valuable. And I just want to highlight a few things, you know, as we go along. And, and those of you who work with young people will probably go duh for some of these things, you know, right. but I think it's important uh, to, to, to read this. So this is, this is paragraph 202. Can I just interrupt real quick? Yeah, too? go with ahead, that, man. I'm, uh, I'm passionate. I mean, you have to stop yeah, me. I'm going to keep going. Yeah, with the, with the no duh thing, I think we have to be careful when we hear ourselves go like no duh to like shut ourselves down, mm. you know? Um, cause I've heard, um, you know, I've been at places where like Dr. Bob McCarty's spoken about, you know, going, going gone or, you know, Katie McGrady has been speaking about, you know, reaching young people and, and I'm sitting next to people and we hear something and we're like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, no doubt. We, we totally get that. And there are people who get frustrated by that and say, no doubt. They're just saying something I already know. Therefore I'm going to shut down. And if we don't truly listen and read through and move through those things that we already know the no does, then we're going to miss a whole bunch of things that I think God is trying to tell us that's new. So that's, if, if you're listening and you're kind of like, yeah, John, Chris, when I read this, there were a lot of things that kind of stuck out um, that uh, I already knew. That's great. Good for you. But there's probably a lot more that we still need to uncover. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. go ahead. So yeah, let me just highlight some. This is paragraph 202, second line. It says, young people frequently fail to find in our usual programs a response to their concerns, their needs, their problems, and issues. And, and really, I just love what he's saying. He's calling out our ministry and saying, it's not working. <laughs> right. Because it's not relevant. And we've used the term relevant a lot on our podcast, Chris. So the idea is like, how is church relevant to young people? And he's calling it out right there. And, and, and the other thing he really calls out is that the realization that the entire community has to be involved in evangelizing young people and the urgent requirement that they take on a greater role in pastoral outreach. What I find really powerful on that is, is, is really trying to break down this silo mentality, right? This idea that, you know, youth ministry is the, the purview of the youth minister and religious education is the purview of the religious education director. Well, no, the reality is we are all responsible. Those of us who are faithful Catholics, engaged, intentional disciples have a responsibility to, to be part of our ministry efforts in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and, and that's, again, I think he's just calling this out that we can no longer say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just a mass going person. I'm not responsible for youth ministry. Right. And, and really, this starts with the baptismal rite, right? You know, when, when we, we baptize a, a child or an infant, right, we turn to the parents and say, are you going to raise this child up in the faith? Yes. We turn to the godparents. Are you going to help these parents raise the child up in the faith? Yes. And then, and then the rite turns to the entire community, right, Chris, and says, you, the community of God here, part of this parish, are you going to stand around this family and support them? as they pass on a legacy of faith to their children. And what do we say? We all vibrantly say, I, yes, I will, of course, absolutely. It's just getting back to that idea, right? That, that we are all called to that. It's not just one person's job or the youth ministry's team job, it's the entire parish's job. 
Yeah, and, and you probably see a lot less burnout from youth ministers and DREs <laughs> in the whole congregation all the time. But, you know, and even in the next uh, paragraph, 203, he says, I want to state clearly that young people themselves are agents of youth ministry. Like, certainly they need to be helped and guided, but at the same time left free to develop new approaches with creativity and certain mm -hmm. audacity. And I love that because, you know, it's not just about us, the older community surrounding them but also getting out of the way and allowing them to create something and not just create, allow them to create something by saying like, Oh, peer ministry, you know, but like really say, here's, here are the tasks at hand. Here are the problems of the world. Here are the things that we need to approach, fix, celebrate, worship, you know, do whatever. What are your thoughts? What are your ideas and allowing them to flow through that. And that's a very scary. I mean, when I've done that in youth ministry, um, it, not just me, but some of the other adult vol uh, volunteers want to like intervene and want to, you know, uh, like when they see these teens or young adults struggle, they want to give them the quick solution and they might give them a solution. It might not be the right solution. It might not be the right solution that could have come out of uh, the young people struggling and collaborating and, and working together. Um, and we've got to be careful of short changing that and, you know, uh, yeah, I love how it's like this calling out that everyone needs to step up, but at the same time, you know, the other extreme of don't don't suffocate the good work that young people can do. Yeah. Remember when we we talked on a podcast a while ago, we talked about young adults and and uh, I did a, a blog post on on why every pastoral council should have a 24-year-old on it, right? You know. Right. But it's that idea that, you know, young people want to make a difference and 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 they have the vibrancy, but we adults can sometimes poo-poo that, you know, and say, oh, you're too young. What do you know? Well, no, that's exactly why we should have them, because they're not hindered by a lot of experience like we are. And so uh, that's why, that's what it's really saying, is that young people should be engaged in ministry, uh, which is, I think, a really cool piece. Right. You know, and, and, and going now, again, this whole section, I mean, we could spend hours on this section alone, but one of the things he outlines, uh, starting at paragraph 209, is that there, there are two main courses of action for our ministry with young people. And it says, one is outreach, the way we interact new young people to an experience of the Lord. The other is growth, the way we help those who have already had that experience to mature it. To, to mature in it. So I really love that, that, that the, the, the first one is outreach, reaching out, helping people know Christ, experience Christ in their lives. And then the second one is once they've had that conversion experience, that transformation that we help them grow and we help them mature in it. And he's, and he's basically saying that is the, the, the twofold approach to ministry with young people now. When in reality, that would be the twofold approach to ministry to anybody, right? You know, uh, when we really think about it. Um, but I really love how simplistic that is, um, you know, in terms of our approaches, how we do things. Let's help people experience Christ. And then now let's help people, you know, uh, deepen that, that relationship. And, and that's really outreach and growth. And that whole section, oh my gosh, 209 through like 215, 16 is so powerful in what it's trying to say there. And, and this is where it like cut me to the heart, right? As a active youth minister at this point, you know, I'm looking through and like, okay, and this is what we have to be careful of that we don't go through and create a, a checklist, right? And treat this as a checklist. Like, I'm like, all right, do I do this? Well, yes. Do I do this? Well, no, yes, no. And then coming up with that. But what um, 
I think is really important is, yeah, this whole idea of outreach and growth. And I think that's a part that a lot of us know is it's both in, right? How do we reach the unchurched kids, uh, unchurched young adults, unchurched youth? How do we, you know, keep the uh, currently active active? How do we keep them engaged so that they don't walk away? Um, and what really stuck out to me and really cuts my heart was in uh, paragraph 212, right, where he says, rather than being too concerned with communicating a great deal of doctrine, let us first try to awaken and consolidate the great experience that sustains the Christian life. For me, that means like, yes, we'll talk about the doctrine, but I have to first and foremost primarily think, how do I love the student in my, in my uh, youth ministry? Or how do I love the young adult in my, in my church or in my ministry that is struggling with uh, abortion, uh, birth control, sexuality, uh, drugs and alcohol, how, and not so much of like looking for those at risk, you know, individuals, but even before I know that knowledge, right? A young person walks into my church and how do I greet them? How do I get to know them? How do I let them know that they are exactly where God wants them to be? And to the point where that feeling of belonging and connectivity is so contagious that as they start to share with me their life and I start to share with them my life, that we can start speaking truth into it. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and so for me, it's again, how many times in church we've put the cart before the horse and, uh, and lost sight of what's really important yeah. and what's really impacting. Yeah, and that's, a, that's our traditional faith formation model, right? You know, let's start giving them doctrine at an early age, right? And that's all we do. What, what Pope Francis is saying here, and he's not the first to say it, let's be honest, you know, Sherry Waddell says it, it's actually our RCIA, our baptismal catechumenate process as well, that there is a stage of inquiry, there's a stage of relationship building and trust that comes first before you start doing formation, right? Formation is mm -hmm. a later stage. And that's what he's just saying that in another way. Let's not start with doctrine, but let's start with where people are at. And let's awaken their, as Sherry Waddell would say, curiosity towards the faith. Let them awaken their interest in this relationship with Christ. Because once it's rooted in that, that relationship, that great love, as he says here, then everything else is easy, right? You know, then once, once they're rooted in that, they're going to want to know the Ten Commandments. They're going to want to study the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, yeah. and, and that's just a total different approach. And, and I love how Pope Francis is saying that. And, and so with that, going back up a little bit, though, it's about reaching young people where they're at. And so on, on paragraph 210, he says, as for outreach, I trust that young people themselves know how best to find appealing ways to come together. They know how to organize events, uh, sports competitions, and ways to evangelize using social media through text messages, songs, videos, and other ways. And by the way, a lot better than I can do it. So I'm happy to let them have it. But yeah. this line was really cool. They only have to be encouraged and given the freedom to be enthused about evangelizing other young people wherever they are to be found. When the message is first brought up, whether, check this out, I love this, whether in a youth retreat, a conversation in a bar, on school holidays, or in any of God's mysterious ways, it can awaken a deep experience of faith. I mean, mm. it, it, that it can happen anywhere. And giving young people and older people alike the freedom to evangelize where they can. And it doesn't always have to be in a formal setting 
or on church property for that matter. Right. Right. Definitely. Powerful. Yeah. Definitely. So again, in the, that section alone, we could spend hours. Oh, um, I want to jump to something that I'd love your opinion on this phrase, a popular youth ministry, yeah. uh, popular, which is in quotes, um, youth ministry. What, uh, so he talks a little bit about that. Um, in addition to ordinary, well-planned pastoral ministry that parishes and movements carry out, it's also important to allow room for a popular youth ministry with a different style, schedule, pace, and method. How did you break down that word popular or, or you know, of course, talk about how Pope Francis breaks it down, but what, what did you draw from that section? Yeah. When I, when I first read that, that header, a popular youth ministry, I put a question mark on it. I'm like, what does he mean by this? You know? Right. And to go on, you know, to continue what you were saying, bro broader and more flexible, it goes out to those places where real young people are active and fosters the natural leadership qualities and the charism sown by the Holy Spirit. And there's more to it, but what, what I'm really reading into it is, is, is going where young people are already at right? Uh, and, and where are they already engaged? And, and how do we engage them where they're at? Uh, you know, to be able to generate a popular ministry to youth, this is, again, Pope Francis, they need to learn to listen to the sense of the people. These are the leaders now, right? And to become their spokespersons and to work for their promotion. Uh, so where are real young people hanging out? You know, they're at school, they're at sports activities, they're at that who knows what, but they're often not at church. And so, you know, I know in the youth ministry community, we've been saying this for a long time, part of our role as a youth ministry leaders, both staff and volunteers, is to go out to where the young people are at. So if they have a sporting activity or they're in a theater production or whatever, that we go and see them in action because our presence there is often going to be much more impactful and powerful than, than whatever we do at a youth night or a confirmation session on the church grounds on any given night of the week. But I, I want to even push back a little bit on that. Like, I do think our presence at those events are important. But even if I'm watching a soccer game or going to a musical or a concert, I'm not really engaging with that student. I'm there. Hopefully they see me. If I make an effort, like, of course, to say hello and congrats, that can mean a lot. But I also take it as the fact of let's meet off our campus, you know, in these places where students already are or are available. So, you know, um, I have this like love hate relationship with this idea of one day having a youth space, dedicated youth space. Cause I think the, the beauty of it would be, I could design it. It'd be a great place for students to hang out, to, to feel loved and dedicated. But then I know it would be a crutch, you know, to not go out, right? Like my youth space is cool enough. Kids should come to it. I'm not going to go out to them. What I'm sometimes thinking about and, and wondering, and, and this is, these are some of the things that we're going to be experimenting at our church this summer, is you know, having our, right, our youth programming happening in public places like uh, Chick-fil-A, uh, Five Guys Hamburgers, uh, Starbucks. You know, um, for our young adults, uh, we've got this local brewery that's, that's nearby, that's in our parish boundaries. And you know, doing something organized there at times where other teens are going to be there, you know, um, or saying like, hey, after the game or after your practice, swing by Chick-fil-A, first 10 people get a free sandwich, but then stay and, you know, let's have a conversation and, and engage in them in ways that are kind of simple um, or, or different where 
it's not just being present, but also being interactive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the, again, is that the right way or not? I don't know. Is that exactly what Pope Francis is talking about being creative and flexible for some of you? You're like, well, we already do that. Or for others view that's outside of the box. I think that's the general point of popular youth ministry, right? Is not to get stuck in the same old, same old and to try something new. Mm-hmm. And go where young people are at. Yeah. yeah, it's an interesting question about a youth space versus going out uh, of the church grounds and meeting people. And I think the reality is both is an effective strategy because early on in the document, it's talking about how young people need to be engaged in the leadership and that this is theirs as well, right? And so mm-hmm. having a dedicated space is probably a prime example of how. Right. The parish community is also theirs and not just the adults, right? You know, and it's not about what the space looks like. And, you know, certainly, you know, if youth can help develop that, that's fine. You know, but the fact that they have a space, right? Like this is ours, right? On all the space we have on church, we've got a dedicated spot um, that that gives them ownership. But that goes back to a little bit about what he was saying, going, going backwards here a little bit on, on page two or on paragraph 218, he says, Along these lines, our institutions should provide young people with places they can make their own, mm. right? So that's mm. your point right there. And, and I always, I heard this on a podcast years ago. I always attributed it to the idea of a third place, all right? So everybody's got a first place, a second place, and a third place. What does that mean? So, you know, me as, as an adult, in, you know, I have my first place, my first place is home, right? Where this is my safe place. This is my refuge. This is where my family is. This is where so everyone's got that first place, right? And, and, and home should always be the first place, hopefully. And we know that that's not always the reality. The second place is typically work, right? Or in the case of young people, school, right? That's the second place where they're spending a great deal of time, where, where, they, where uh, they have energy. And then this podcast was saying, but everybody needs a third place. The third place is not home. That's not work or school. And what is that third place? Well, this particular podcast I was listening to was kind of a men's lifestyle podcast. And they were talking about how, is it a bar? Is it the gym? You know, uh, yes. I mean, they absolutely could be. But what, what I'm hearing Pope Francis say, and I've wanted to argue this for a long time, is that how do we make church the third place for, for young people and, and everybody, right? That, that first is home, second is work or school, and third is church and that's a natural place where people feel safe where people feel gathered where they feel known and they can let their guard down mm-hmm. that's the idea that that he's getting at here and that's to your point about the youth room now we may need to go reach them out to where their current third place is right maybe it is the gym maybe it is the bar right. maybe it's the, the the basketball court or the field or the stage or wherever it may be that may be their third place, you know, and how in the process do we engage them to make church also a primary place for them to be? Well, it's finding them in their current third place and introducing them to a new one, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Donald Miller, uh, who's this uh, great Christian author and and business leader, uh, once said, everyone's living a story. What we need to do in the church is introduce them to the better story. And um, and, and, uh, it's funny too, because in the document, um, uh, Pope Francis talks about uh, sports. He talks about scouts, you know, and the outdoors and everything like that. And I know personally, I've gone back and forth um, in the past on 
saying like, well, we're not going to do CYO at my church because the kids already have sports. So why compete with something that we're not going to keep up with? Or uh, I'm not going to do this because the world does that and we're just not going to compete. We need to find our own unique thing, which is, has its truth. But then at the same time, now that I'm at a parish that offers scouts, that offers CYO sports and everything, I know as the youth minister, I want to invest in those things, not to take down, you know, youth sports in the community, but just going back to what I was saying before, like introduce them to a new third home uh, or third place that, um, that is centered in Christ, because that's the unique thing that the world can't offer, right? Is that they can offer sports, they can offer, you know, all these other things, but they are not centered in Christ in the way that the church can do that. Um, and I, you know, um, yeah, I think that's, that's something that if you have that in place or if you have the potential to put that in place to consider that. Mm -hmm. And, and the third place being church is not the physical plant, right? right? It's the community, right? So the third place could be on a sports field that puts Christ first. And right. that is church, right? right. You know, right, right. or wherever, or wherever those studies, scouting or the arts or whatnot, yeah. uh, as they point out. And so, I think that's important to be clear um, about that. And then, I think towards the end of this particular chapter, chapter seven on youth ministry, they they spend a whole section talking about Catholic schools that that we're not going to get into. But I just smiled because I laughed. I, I looked at that section. I'm like, yep, he nailed it. I mean, he nailed exactly what Catholic schools are struggling with. Uh, which I thought was really good. So read that section. But towards the end of it, he spends a lot of time talking about accompaniment. Uh, and, yeah. and, and we know that's a buzzword. We've talked about that. We've talked about that for a couple of years now, Chris, that that's been out there. And what does that really mean? And, but he really emphasizes this idea of journeying together. The community has an important role in the company of young people. It should feel collectively responsible for accepting, motivating, encouraging, and challenging them. All should regard young people with understanding, appreciation, and affection, and avoid, I love this, constantly judging them or demanding of them a perfection beyond their years. Look, I've got young kids, and I demand a perfection from them that's way beyond their years. And I have to remind myself, oh, yeah, she's only three years old. She's not capable of that. So, But he, but he names a challenge. Uh, there is a shortage of qualified people devoted to accompaniment. And he names yeah. it. He just said, there's yeah. a shortage of qualified people who can do that. And so what if our parishes were an accompaniment breeding ground? You know, how does that change how we do ministry? I mean, I'm always imagining like we need to start training and actually having sessions in baptismal prep and, and, and all adult faith formation of what does accompaniment look like? And, and, and I don't know, I, I'm now just brainstorming, but I just think that the emphasis there is so important. And how do we train people to be qualified and devoted to accompaniment? I mean, yeah, uh, you know, that's, <clears throat> that's something that I know that's something that parish success group and, and, you know, I can speak for marathon youth ministry have been trying to figure out, uh, not that we have it figured out. We're like, Oh, no one's listening to us. And then finally, like people will listen. <clears throat> if we had it figured out, um, it, it would be so much easier, but like that, I think that comes back to some of the other things we've talked about is professional development, um, you know, and in regards to uh, us as leaders and, and outside of youth ministry, right? You know, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately and I'll probably um, blog about it this week. But for me, 
Uh, one of the reasons I don't think we have volunteers or students or young people who follow us is because we might not be a leader worth following, right? You know, and so like you might uh, have people who want to accompany youth or young people, but they might not be someone worth following. Um, and the question might be why? Why, um, why maybe because they're not gifted um, uh, in that, maybe that's not what God's calling them to do. Or two, it, it just might mean that they haven't really thought about it in this like methodical way. And, and so I think those of us who are DREs, youth ministers, faith formation directors, even you know uh, adult faith formation directors, we have to look at our volunteers and we have to say, okay, we don't just need to teach them how to catechize others. We need to catechize them. We need to accompany them and pass that along. I mean, Jesus, you know, and you, you look at the, the model of the disciples, right? Jesus, uh, he mentored, apprenticed, discipled the disciples. And then he said, go do what I do and what I say to other people. And he sent them out and they came back and they discussed it. And they say, okay, how did it go? And they said, hey, Jesus, some people were using their name, your name, but not really like doing exactly what we said. Like, what do we do? And he gave them feedback and then he sent them out again. And, you know, and, and we don't do that in church ministry, right? We, we tell people, sit in a chair and listen. And, oh, I mean, <laughs> I think I'm speechless. <laughs> That's awesome. Literally, Chris just didn't know what to say after saying right. that. And he just turned out, looked out the window and yeah. said, I'm speechless. That I'm was speechless. classic. But uh, yeah, so that's one of the disadvantages of this not being a video podcast. But yeah, uh, but yeah so I, I, there's a, so much, again, we could talk about, and I know we've been speaking for a while. Um, we'll definitely have this uh, posted in the show notes, um, the, the document, um, prior interviews, um, I know, John, you're going to probably be writing and talking about this a little bit more. I'll definitely be doing that as well. Um, and maybe this is something we can bring up again at another time and bring some other people on who might have some thoughts about this uh, as well. And in fact, if there are people that you want to hear uh, have this discussion with us, uh, shoot us an email at questions at the churchpodcast.org or reach out to us on social media. Um, we'd love to, you know, uh, yeah, just continue that, that conversation and discuss this because this is important and it's important uh not just because the pope wrote about it, because our church has been focusing over a year on this not just with the synod but with encuentro and you know so much else uh going on and uh i i don't think i don't think we can afford to just you know have it pass by you know uh this there's still so much more to discuss and explore with this i don't think this is the end or the pinnacle i think this is just the beginning so um, I'm excited about it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and just to be clear, quite honestly, just as we wrap up this conversation, Pope Francis is literally challenging us to look differently about how we do church. And it's not just in word, you know, in, in spoken word is now written a great written form. And, and he's been doing that with joy of the gospel and other things as well. But this is particularly transforming given its focus on young people. I please read it, take the time, you know, you don't have to read it as fast as I, I did, you know, I wanted to get this podcast out, but take the time, pray over it. There's so much good. We really only delved into like three of the eight chapters, you know, and, yeah. uh, and chapter eight is about, okay. I mean, there's so many great things. And so um, take the time, but again, know that it's challenging us. Pope Francis is challenging us to do ministry differently. 
and, and, and pray about that as you read this document. And again, in the show notes, we'll also have a link to the document. So if you don't know where to find it, that, that you can just click on the link. You just go to churchpodcast.org and click on episode 76. It will be titled Christ is Alive something, something, something. <laughs> I haven't figured that out yet. I'm about to get wow. creative on the And title. that's how we're ending this podcast. <laughs> there you something, go. <laughs> something, something. No, we'll end it with prayer. Yes. Um, but if you have questions, reach out to us at questions at the churchpodcast.org. You can always find John and I in other areas, johnrinaldo.com and marathonyouthministry.com. Uh, we're on Twitter, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, all the fun social media platforms. Look for us there. We're looking for you. We're praying for you. We're there to support you. And uh, we love you all. So let's pray in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much uh, for uh, this opportunity to talk about not just the future of the church, not just the young church, Lord, but uh, the church being alive, the church being vibrant, the church really representing exactly what uh, you sent your, uh, your one and only son to do, Lord, which is to introduce us to a full life. God, thank you so much for all the amazing examples of young people, of older people, of people who are passionate about you, Lord, so that we can learn more, so that we can continue to draw ourselves closer to you. God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for leading us. We pray for all the churches. We pray for all the young people out there. In your name, we pray.